Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. All right, thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you guys. Thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, really being part of this new move of God in the northern suburbs. And uh, we don't want to be just a place that, you know, takes up space. We want to take territory. And there's a difference between taking up space and taking territory. So we've come to the northern suburbs with a mandate to give the devil a hard time and to see people saved, to see a breakthrough and a real genuine move of God's spirit. And that really requires that we all lean into what the Lord is saying to us and what he wants to do. There is a call upon your life, whether you understand that fully, there is a call. The first call that God says in his word is, is upon your life is you're called to be a son of God. And that's, of course, meaning both male and female. But you're called to be part of his family. You're called to know the Father. But then there's a call and a destiny which has to do with what he wants you to do in this world. And he has given you gifts. Maybe you don't fully know or identify what those gifts are yet, but God wants to use you. And as you continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to see that emerge. So it's a powerful thing. We encourage you guys. Can I, can I just ask you, um, pray for Lynn. She's not well. And uh, I just kind of, le- I'll just let it out. Okay, so next Sunday you want to be here because she's preaching. Okay. All right. And she was supposed to preach this morning, but anyway, she's not feeling well, but you're stuck with me for today. But uh, anyway, yeah, we're, we're excited about all that the Lord's doing, but let's just continue to um, lean in. Um, let's jump into the Old Testament, First Samuel 30. This is a very powerful um, story. It's a story about David, how he suffered loss, but how he rebounded and recovered all. Do you remember that story? Anybody? Yes. Is that, okay. So everybody's newly saved. So you haven't read much of the word yet? No, I'm just kidding. All right. How many know that story for Samuel 30? David was attacked. It was a terrible story. But what happened was he came back and he recovered all that the enemy had stolen from his life. Powerful story. Come on now. Uh, now, now you know what I'm talking about? All right. Okay. If not, we're going to read the first eight verses and hopefully... Uh, at that point, uh, it'll refresh your memory. If, you, if you've never read it, that's okay. If you're not familiar with it, that's fine. We're going to look at this today. Because our topic, we've really been talking about prophetic promises from God. And today, we're going to actually look at the process or the process, depending on which part of the world you come from. And uh, what that means is there's actually something we have to do to be able to possess the promises of God. Now, there are many people, Christians well-meaning Christians that don't understand the responsibility that is incumbent upon them in order to see God's will accomplished in their life. Some of us, we just sit back and go, hey, God knows where I live. He knows what I'm called to do. He knows who I am. If he wants to do it, he's going to know the scripture. Look, let's reset our theology. Um, Do I even dare go there today? This is a whole series, really. But the point is, we have to understand that when God created man, 
man and woman going back in Genesis, he gave his dominion. Right? Okay. And the scripture says, Psalm 115, verse 16 says this. The heaven, even the heavens, right? It says in 2 Corinthians 12, there are three heavens. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of man. The earth he's given to his kids. And he said, hey, guys, what? Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. And in the new covenant, that involves reclaiming what was lost in Eden. And Jesus ultimately paid that price, but we preach what he did. We preach what he did. We preach Christ. We preach the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, of his salvation. And then we also step into a place where we are intentional about recovering what was lost. And David understood this in the new covenant. He wouldn't settle in the old covenant. He wouldn't settle for loss. Have you ever lost anything? Has the devil ever stole anything from you? Don't settle for that. We all go through seasons of loss, setbacks. But ultimately, we have to understand that God wants us to contend for restoration. Do you have anything that you believe in God to restore? I do. Several things. I have several big prayer requests. Several big things I believe in God to do. And I want it to be done because I know it's his will. It's his will. And, and so there's so much that, that we, we need to um, really step into in terms of understanding this. But, hey, we've got time. Um, God willing, we're going to go through this today, and then we're going to probably have to continue this. First Samuel 30, starting in verse 1. Now, this is not on the screen, so you may want to open your Bible, or if you have a phone, mobile phone, it's not going to be on the screen. But it says here, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. Notice that, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been there? And David's two wives, Ahinnom the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had, taken, had been taken captive. Look at verse 6. Now, David was greatly distressed. Have you ever felt greatly distressed? For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But look at this. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Verse 7. David said to Abathai the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathai brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying... Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, the Lord, answered him, and look what he said, Pursue, for you shall overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Without fail, recover all. Now, I've preached this message literally on all continents uh, and many countries. I've preached this message. 
God is a God of recovery. I love the scripture in Joel 2.25. He says, I'll restore to you the wasted years. Wow. That's a powerful passage of scripture. God is a God of recovery. But we are called to collaborate with him or to cooperate with him. We are engaged in a process where it's called in the New Testament a co-mission. How many know what a mission is? Right? This is a co-mission, meaning there's two parties, two individuals, however you want to put it, involved in this mission. I love Mark 16, 20. It says this. It says that they, the apostles, went out preaching everywhere. They did their part. And God working with them. God was working with them, it says, confirming the word with signs and wonders. God was working with them. Confirming the word with signs and wonders. So we are called to do our part and God will do his part. We cannot do what God only can do. What God alone can do. But neither will God do what we're called to do. It's very important that we say this idea of being um, complacent and, and passive and just saying, hey, God, I prayed about it. I've asked you to do it. But yet, and many times, if we were to be honest, we've not seen the fulfillment of the promise. I love the fact, when, and, and I love the times when we do pray and boom, it happens. That's amazing. But how many know, how many can say by experience that you've had those occasions when that's not happened? Probably more the latter than the former. More times, hey, I prayed, and it just didn't happen the first time I prayed. It just didn't occur. So what do we do? Well, if we don't understand the word, first and foremost, we could come to the conclusion that it's not God's will. But I want to show you from Scripture today that the enemy is the thief, that the enemy will try to steal from you what God has given to you. Think about the woman, the Shunammite woman, who did not have a child, and when the prophet declared over her, by this time next year you will have a son, and immediately after she received the promise, the enemy tried to steal it from her by killing her son. Anything God gives to you, he'll, the enemy will challenge. How much do you want it? How committed are you to safeguarding, guarding the promise of God? There's a scripture in, in 2 Timothy. I'm not preaching in my notes at all. And... It actually says, guard the deposit that was given to you. Guard it by the help of the Holy Spirit. And it literally means that there is a deposit, there's a gift, there's an investment that God has given to us. And Paul says to his son in the faith, Timothy, guard that good deposit. Literally, it's a military term in the Greek language. It means to guard by keeping your eye on it. It speaks of a sentinel, a watchman. Someone who say, hey, you're not going to steal this from me. I'm guarding this. I'm watching this. I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've had the privilege to go into some crazy places in the world. And I've been into some of the most locked down, secured military bases in the world. 
in America. I've been in the Air Force base. I've been in the largest Navy base in the world where all, I mean, where most of, of the uh, aircraft carriers are in Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. And I can tell you guys, when you try to just try to walk in there, I don't think so. That place is locked down. It's guarded. I mean, even to get in there, it is not a simple process. And because I had friends who, who were part of, of, you know, obviously that was their job. I was able to get into these places. But I'm telling you that there is a call of God on our lives with the same tenacity, with the same level of, of just uh, seriousness to be able to guard what God has entrusted to us. Don't let the enemy steal it from you. But if he has, don't settle for that. Allow the Lord to show you how to recover what the enemy's stolen from your life. And I believe prophetically as we were praying into this year, 2024, I felt like the Lord said that it's time for God's people to go after what I've promised them and not settle for mediocrity. Second place is what? First loser. So never remember that. If you're like, hey, I almost got it. I got most of it. No, no. Let's look at the scripture, guys. We've been talking about the, the children of Israel going into the promised land. And I love this scripture. It's found in Joshua 21, 45. Not one word of all the good promises the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Now, I want to show you something. As I've said, the enemy will challenge you. The enemy will try to stop you and hinder you. It's, it's a very interesting thing because we have to first and foremost believe for this reality. Every promise, yeah. Last week I said there's over 8,000 promises in the New Testament. Over 8,000 in the Bible, sorry. Over 8,000 promises. How many? Think you have still room for a few more to be fulfilled in your life? Yeah? Okay, so we have to go after the promises. We have to pursue the promises. See, the children of Israel experienced the fulfillment of all of God's good promises that he had made. None had failed. All came to pass. But if you jump down to chapter 21, verses 43 and 44, actually the two verses preceding, it says this. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he had swore, all the land that he had promised. The Lord gave it to Israel and to their fathers. <clears throat> Excuse me, but look at this. And they took possession of it. They took possession of it. So he gave it to them, but they still had to take possession of it. The scripture tells us that all things pertaining to life and godliness are ours. He hath blessed us. That's what King James says. Hath. Good old Elizabethan English. He hath blessed us with all things pertaining to life and godliness, right? I believe that's 2 Peter 1, 3. And when you go to Ephesians chapter 1, also verse 3, it says that God has given to us, okay? He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings 
in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, what I would like us to see is that God has given us what he promised. He did that through Jesus. It's ours, right, by virtue of his covenant. But we still, like the children of Israel, have to possess it. We have to possess it. I love that scripture. It's found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, speaking to um, believers who were being persecuted and, and who were being mistreated for their faith and literally their land was being taken from them. Some of them were being beaten. Some of them were put in prison. And the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, it's through, it says through faith and perseverance or through faith and patience you inherit the promises. Faith and patience or perseverance you inherit the promises. If he gave it to us, because we have to possess them. We have to go after them. So God wants us to understand that everything is available to us. Again, I encourage you to look at those verses, 2 Peter 1, 3, Ephesians 1, 3. Guys, listen, the greatest reason why Christians struggle today, and, and it's, I'm talking about believers now. Obviously, people that don't know the Lord, we, we expect. No, they're going to have issues. They're going to struggle. But the greatest reason why we struggle with things that are not God's will that we struggle with it is because we haven't renewed our mind. We haven't renewed our mind. We don't know what God's word says about that because we haven't been diligent to study the scripture. We haven't been diligently to seek God for his word, his promise. Or... We've chosen to allow our emotions and our feelings to override the truth of God's word. Now, I understand some people are more right brain. Some I get that. But the point is here, whether you're more right brain, left brain, the point is you still have to stand on the word of God. I don't feel uh, I, the feely people, right? But no, no. The truth is God's word is our foundation. God's word is our foundation. You know, I, I'm one of those guys. You know what I am? I'm like 50-50, right brain, left brain. Some, and, and for me, I can, I can be emotional. Not really emotional. But you know what I mean? It's, it's, but, but I can be analytical. And I have to be very careful. Because sometimes we get what we call analysis paralysis. Right? Where we look at something... And we go like, oh, well, uh, and, and we, we don't divert or, or default to the scripture, what God's word says. You see, David lost everything. His mighty men lost everything. But David had an inkling in his spirit. He had enough understanding of the character of God and who he was that he knew this was not the final verdict. There was actually an opportunity for David to recover what was lost. The enemy stole it. We say, well, what did David do to allow the enemy to stole? Listen to me. I want to comfort you with something today. God is bigger than our stupid. All right? Can I just say it? God is more compassionate than our stupidness. Our stupidity, I guess, is the proper word. I love to invent words, I know. But the fact is, God is bigger. He's greater. He's more compassionate. 
than even the foolish mistakes and choices we make in life that result in consequences of loss. Isn't that so comforting? Come on now, just take a moment and do a praise break. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. He's too good. Well, he's too good is good enough for me. Wow. So here, what we see is literally the call to possess the promises. Hebrews eleven thirty three talks about the mighty people of faith who through faith conquered kingdoms. Conquered kingdoms. We can conquer the devil's kingdom. Okay? Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice. You know what justice is? It's basically all about God's will being done. It's all about his righteousness, his justice being done. And so, and then it says this, obtained promises. If you weren't here last Sunday, you can please go to our website. Um, and I actually shared this story about a pastor in Africa and how he and his wife had got in an argument and ended up that he got in the car. He was very angry. You shouldn't, shouldn't drive your car when you've been arguing. Uh, and he, he ended up going down a mountain, and the brakes failed on his car, slammed into like a concrete bollard, and the steering wheel literally crushed him, and he died. But she believed, and she prayed, and God gave her a word from Hebrews about women who received the dead back to life again. It's a true story, guys. It's, it's on YouTube. It's got to be true. <laughs> There's a movie made about it called Raising the Dead. Reinhard Bonnke's ministry. And the guy literally was dead, and she took him to where Reinhard Bonnke was ministering. He did not pray for him, but in that place, being dead for several days, the man came to life again, and he's alive today. It's been on television. It's been documented medically for all those who are like, well, I don't know about that. Listen, if we... If we think that way, oh, my gosh, who is our God? Like, oh, wow, that's like, that's supernatural. Oh, really? Well, it is God. Right? Right? I mean, some people say, well, that's irrational. No, it's called super rational, which means it's beyond human rationale. It's beyond the natural. Right? I mean, guys, come on now. If we have a, if we have a, a struggle with believing in the supernatural. Wow. <laughs> you will not receive much, trust me. I mean, well, that's another message. <laughs> Psalm 78, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Ooh. We limit God. We put the limit on God. Right? Wow. They limited the Holy One of Israel. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to do more. But no. Jesus went to Nazareth, his hometown. And Mark's gospel says he did not do any mighty works there. Do you know what Matthew's gospel says? He could not do any mighty works there. Not he did not. He could not. Well, God can do anything. Jesus was God. Yes, he was, but he humbled himself as a man. And the scripture even says of God, without faith, it's impossible to please God. 
Through faith, through patience, we inherit the promises. We inherit the promises. If we just sit back and like, God's going to do it. How many times can, let, let's just go there for a moment, all right? I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to just address some things. How many times have you heard, it's 2024, it's 2023, it's 2022, it's 2021, it's 20 whatever, it's 19 whatever. Hopefully some of you aren't 18 something, but at, and if you are, that's amazing. That's supernatural in itself. But the point is, what happens is, is we're like, now it's going to happen. Now it's going to happen. Guys, no, 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 no. God calls us to a place of obedience. He calls us to a place of faith. There's some specific things that David had to do to partner with God to see the promises come to pass. Let's, let's unpack these. All right, let's look at the first one. First Samuel 30, we read this story about David. He had received a promise he'd be the king. You know, the nation would be blessed through him and so on and so forth. Then, of course, Messiah Jesus would come from his lineage, all of that. But what happens is the enemy tries to get in his way. Now, we know that there are times when absolutely we're confident, like the enemy cannot stop me. He's not going to stop God's will in my life, but he tries to hinder us. He tries to discourage us, right? Have you ever felt that way? Yeah. Where it's like, why is it, man, this thing's taking so long? Why is it? Like, what's happening? I want to refer you to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is praying for the will of God, but in the heavenly realms, there's a battle going on, and there is a delay that's taking place in the heavenly space. And so the angel, Michael, is sent to literally deal with the prince of Persia, which ends up being a spiritual entity that has to be of a breakthrough in order for the word of God to come through the mouth of Gabriel. I want to show you an example of this principle in the New Testament, and, and then we're going to jump into the process for seeing promises fulfilled. So here we are in um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Uh, it's very powerful what Paul how many believe that Paul had faith? Have you ever heard people say, well, the reason why it didn't happen is you didn't have faith. Right? Well, I wish it was that simple. But the point is, Paul, a great man of faith, saw setbacks and delays. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you. Paul speaking of himself and his team. And I, Paul, Time and again, not just once, but time and again. But Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. It's the Greek word ekopto. And it's an interesting term. It literally means to build a roadblock. It was used at least in, in two different ways, two different metaphors. First of all, it was used of a road that was in so broken down and, and in such disrepair that, that uh, a chariot couldn't run on that road. That's one of the meanings, one of the applications. It's used in Galatians 5, the same Greek word, of runners in a race. And one runner is doing well, 
but one of the other runners doesn't like what's happening and cuts in on that runner and knocks that runner down. It's the same word that's used here. Satan hindered me. You might have been running. You might have been pursuing God and doing what he's called to do. And boom, you were blindsided. You were hit out of nowhere. Something happened that you didn't expect. Understand that there was a satanic assignment that comes against those who are bent on doing the will of God. And those who desire to serve God and follow God, those who are in particularly are advancing his kingdom, will be attacked by the enemy. But we understand that he might be able to hinder us, but that is not the end of the story. There's more to it. Paul does get the breakthrough. So even Paul said, hey, Satan hindered us. So what's the answer? The answer is this. Take possession of the promise. Go in. Cross over. Occupy. Take territory. I, have, you ever, have you ever been to the place? I, I believe, look, in my early years, I can tell you some crazy stories, but I can tell you in my early years, there were times where the enemy tried to strike terror in me. I was doing things, and, and it was just like he said, I'm not happy with you, and I'm going to do whatever I can to terrify you, to literally bring you to a place where you don't do that. You're afraid of the devil. I mean, that makes sense, right? But he's like, have you ever heard this? And I, I've heard Christians say this. They say this. They'll say, you know what? If you really, if you really put all your eggs in the basket, if you really go all out, if you really give everything to God, well, you're going to have to pay a price. And you, are, are you ready? Are you willing to pay that price? And it's like, it's like, yeah, that may be true, but it's like the enemy's trying to use that to put fear in us so that we'll be reticent and we won't do what God's called us to do. It's like, if I go all in, if I surrender everything, it's just going to be too much. Be comfortable. Sit back. Be that Laodicean church that was neither hot nor cold but lukewarm. And the enemy laughs. Oh, look at that church. They're taking, up, they're taking up space, but they're not taking territory. We're called to advance the kingdom. Not to come together just on a Sunday and have a nice religious gathering, guys. We're called to come to that place where we are so yielded and surrendered to God. We're so consecrated to him that what happens is we become literally a threat to the enemy as we move forward and take territory and advance God's kingdom. This isn't about you. Can I say it in love? I did say it in love. <laughs> Honestly, I love you. I'm a loving guy. My spiritual dad, he always says that. He says, I love you more. He's in Texas. He said, Glenn. I said, yes. He goes, I love you more. It's like, he says that to everybody. Just, and he means it, right? I, and I'm telling you, out of love, out of compassion, we have to come to that place. Guys, what's not about us? It's not about, oh, man, if I could only get this, if I could only experience this, if I could only, look, stop, stop looking at all of that stuff. 
and just look to him. Look to him. You see, David, the first thing he did was look to God. The first thing, when he suffered loss, he could have said, oh my gosh, look what the enemy has done. Look what those Amalekites have done. We lost our, our property was burned. Our family was, was literally taken hostage. Our goods were looted. He said he could have looked at, at how big the problem was. But he immediately, the Bible says that even when those who journeyed with him, his mighty men, those who had even risked their lives previously to get David a drink of water, they became bitter in spirit. They became disappointed because of what had happened. And they pointed the finger at David and said, it's because of you, David. And they became angry and furious to the point that they even spoke about stoning him. Blame it on the leader. They did that to Moses. And so what happens is, now, David's, David ends up, what he does is it says that David encourages himself in the Lord. Verse 6. I want you to see that place. I, I love the fact. I was thinking about this this morning as I was praying. I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. We all want to become mature in Christ. Amen. Right? I mean, look, Paul said in Colossians that his, his, his responsibility as a minister is to bring every man, every woman to a place of maturity in Christ. Okay? So we all want to become mature in Christ. What does it mean to be mature in Christ? I need to go to church because I need encouraged. Yes, go to church. You will grow by being here consistently week after week when the word of God goes forth, the Holy Spirit's presence, you will be encouraged. It will be a blessing to you. It will take you to a place that you would not go otherwise. But ultimately, we need to understand that it's not just about being encouraged by others, but it's also about encouraging ourselves in the Lord. There's sometimes, guys, where we have no other option. We can stay discouraged or we can make a decision to encourage ourselves in the Lord. What, what does this word mean? David encouraged or strengthened himself in the Lord. It's an interesting word. In Hebrew, it literally means to tie fast or to bind tightly. To tie fast or to bind tightly. So it means come one. Remember Isaiah 40 verse 31, those who wait upon the Lord so renew the strength. The idea of that word, different word, is similar to become. It's like you take two ropes or two strands, two or three, and then when you bind them together into one, it becomes stronger. That's the meaning. Isn't that powerful? So what do we do? We, hey, encourage ourselves in the Lord. Bind ourselves to the Lord. We go deeper with the Lord. The first thing when you're contending for restoration and the fulfillment of God's promises. It may not be just even what you've lost, but it may be stuff that you've never even gone after yet. But God is highlighting that and he's saying, I have so much more for you, my children, my son, my daughter. I want to fulfill this promise in your life 
but you need to prioritize my presence. Not just pursue the promise, but prioritize my presence. And then secondly, what he says here is then you perceive the promise. When you get into the presence of God and you begin to spend time with him and seek him and you wait on him, there's a difference on waiting for the Lord and waiting on the Lord. There are many people, they say, I'm waiting on God. No, you're not waiting on God. You're waiting for God. Waiting on God literally means you're active. You're doing something. Those that wait on the Lord, you're becoming one. You're binding those ropes together until you become one. Waiting for God is you're just sitting back passively. Can you imagine if you go into a cafe and there's a person that's serving you and they're sitting in the corner and drinking a cup of, but they're not doing anything, and, and they're supposed to be serving you, right? They're supposed to be waiting on you. But, and you have to actually get up, I'm sure this has happened to you, and say, we're ready. Would you please take our order, right? They were not waiting on you. They were waiting for you. And more than that, we were waiting for them. And, and you see, there's a big difference. That's how we treat God. So when we wait on him, what happens is he speaks. We get a word from him. We get a promise. David did this. What did he do? It says in verse 8 that David inquired. Bring the ephod here. And he inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now David has a word. Now God has given him a prophetic promise. Now it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how they feel. God has said this isn't terminal. You will recover. You'll go after it. It's going to be yours, and you're going to be better off in the long run. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Thirdly, you ready? You perceive his promise. Thirdly, you pray his promise. Come on, guys. You pray his promise. People say, why do I need to pray the promise of God? I'll share with you one. I'll read it from the Bible. How's that? Okay. If you have a problem with me, that's fine. Can't have a problem with the word. I used to say, when I was very young and zealous, I used to say, if I offend you, I need to repent. If the word of God offends you, you need to repent. <laughs> I was very zealous. <laughs> Zeal without knowledge. Still kind of true. <laughs> I just don't say it anymore. Look at this, guys. Pray the promises. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. This is the good news translation, but it, it's similar in, in other English translations. But I want you to see this. It says, I love this. On your walls, Jerusalem, the Lord speaking, I place centuries. Isn't that awesome? They must never be silent day or night. Oh, wow. God's given you a word. Don't be silent. They must remind the Lord of his promises. And never let him forget them. Like God has amnesia? Like, really? Why is it? And it also says you who are doing this, give yourself no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem as a praise. It says, but you never let him forget them. They must give him no rest until he restores Jerusalem and makes it a city the whole world praises. 
Guys, let's put that in our context. Let's put that in our context as an individual. There's a promise God's given you. There's a word, and you know it's his will. Now you're at the point, like, I've heard from God. It's in the Bible. He's spoken to me. I know it's his will. Sometimes we need to adjust our theology. It's true because we believe things about God and that it's not biblical. And just because we've not seen it, uh, doesn't mean that it's not true. The reason why many times we've not seen it is because we haven't had enough people partner with God in the process. So what happens is we begin to pray it. I love that. You know what I say to God? You said, you said, read Psalms, read the Bible. You said, Jesus said, ask anything in his name. Ask you, Father, anything in his name, and you'll do it. Jesus said, you said. And we look at all of these scriptures where God says to us, ask of me. You have not because you ask not, right? You know what? He said, ask of me. I'll give you the nations of your inheritance. Ask, ask, pray the promise. Pray the promise. 1 Timothy 1, 18, contend for the fulfillment of the prophetic promise. Contend for the fulfillment of the prophetic promise. You pray the promise. And then lastly, now that you've been praying the promise, now that you have possessed the promise in the sense that God's revealed it to you, perceived it, and you've been prioritizing his presence, now you pursue the promise. You pursue it. You pursue it. Those things that I'm pursuing. I'm being intentional about. Sometimes it's sowing into it financially. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Sometimes we need to pray into things, but sometimes we need to get out of our boats and take a step of faith. Sometimes we just need to do it. Like God says, move to Australia. Right? Okay. So we get the word. It's confirmed. It's a long process over literally almost a year, God speaks it, then we know it's him, so then we finally make the decision to do more than pray, to get on an airplane and fly here. You see? Talk is cheap. What can you do to put action so that you begin to actually pursue the promise? David and his mighty men, the scripture says that, right? It says here, David attacked in verse 17 from twilight until the evening. Okay, then verse 10, David pursued he and the 400 men. He did something about that. Now, listen, what I'd love for us to understand about this truth is that when we go after what God has told us in his word and we keep pursuing, we keep going, we keep persevering, it may not happen straight away. It may take weeks, months, possibly years, but we're not going to give up. We're not going to give up. There's a deeper place in God. There's a deeper place in repentance. There's a deeper place in surrender. There's a deeper place in prayer, even with fasting at times. There's a deeper place. And we're like, I'm not, hey, God, listen to me. Most believers, most of us have never and will never experience the fulfillment of what Joshua says that every promise we saw fulfilled in our lifetime. Why? Not because God is a liar. Not because we're, we've been even deceived or misinformed. I mean, of course, if it's not God's will, 
then you're believing something that's not his word. But I'm talking about scripturally and what God has spoken to you. I want to go after it. But what if God doesn't answer? What if he does answer? Change the narrative. Okay, so here we are. We have people that are like, well, you know what? Uh, I, 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 if I pray about it or if I pray for someone, I've prayed and I've had someone lay hands on me and pray for me 35 times and I've never been healed. So, you know what? What if God doesn't heal me? What if he does heal you? What if he does heal you? <laughs> what if he does heal you? Right? What if Peter stayed in the boat? You ever think about that? Well, he would, yeah, yeah, that's me, Mr. Conservative. Risk averse. Stay in the boat. Right? Look at Peter. I mean, Peter got out of the boat. Jesus told him to, yeah. But then he started to sink. And that's the way many of us are. What if I get out of the boat and I sink? I start to sink. Well, I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker. Yeah. Enough of us, we are dry boat talkers. That's all we are. Get out of the boat. Start walking on the sea. No matter what it looks like. Take a risk. Take a step of faith. Begin to do it. God will meet you. God will meet you. Let's stand together. Let me just summarize it this. We, guys, I want to challenge you, encourage you. We are in a time right now, guys, where God wants to fulfill his promises in your life. Is there anything that you know, hey, yes, the Father wants to restore this. Maybe there's something that, that you haven't lost yet, but you've just never possessed it. There's more. Maybe there's been a call of God in your life, and you just like, I've never seen that really fulfilled. Maybe God's told you to do something in business, but you've never seen that really, truly fulfilled. So ask Holy Spirit to reveal to you the Father's perspective about your situation. What is he saying? See, the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19, 10. So what happens is, what does God say? Man says, Lazarus is dead. Jesus says, he's only sleeping. You may say it's dead, it's a lost cause. No. Oh. His church is called to greater glory. His church is called to full surrender, believing for the goodness of God. I didn't share the scripture, but it's Zephaniah 1.12. And the Lord says, I'll come and I'll search Jerusalem with lamps. And I'll punish the men who say in their hearts, listen to this, I will punish the men who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do what? Nor will he do evil. I want us to focus on that. Good. By being passive, I 
they say, God's not going to do good. It doesn't say they said it with their mouths. It says they say in their hearts. See, our hearts, out of our mouth, right, the heart speaks. The mouth speaks from the abundance of the heart. You know the scripture. I don't know about you, but I believe God is good. But he didn't answer that prayer. Why did my mom die? True story. Why did my dad die? Both of them horrendous, horrific deaths. My brother died a horrific death. Don't have any family members now. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm telling you the truth. Terrible. People are like, curse God. Curse God. Where's your God? People said that to me. Where's your God? He's in heaven, ruling and reigning. That's where he is. And he's good. And even though we don't understand sometimes, he's still good. If we understood everything, we'd be at least same level as him. If not above. Last time I checked, I wasn't God. So guys, I want to encourage you to believe for the goodness of God in the land of the living. But not just like, oh, I believe, I believe. No, no, go. Let's go after. Let's go after. Let's press into his presence. Let's prioritize his presence in 2024. Let's perceive his promises. Let him speak to you. Speak to you, my son, my daughter. I told you this many years ago. I'm not a man that I lie. I've forgotten my promises over your life. My son, my daughter, it's my will, but will you contend? Will you go after it? Will you pray my promises? Will you pray my promises? Elijah had the promise of God. Remember, after three and a half years of famine, the word of the Lord came to Elijah once again. Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. I'm about to send rain on the earth. What did Elijah do? He did that. Then what happens is Elijah says, for I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. He received the promise from God. But then Elijah just said, okay, God. Pop open his, his umbrella and say, okay, God, send the rain. No, he went to the top of Mount Carmel and he put his head between his knees in a birthing posture. And he began to remind God of the promise. God, you said, God, you said, you're not a man that you would like. God, you said you would do it. You said you'd heal the sick. You said you'd save my children. You said you'd deliver my drug addict son or daughter. You said you would do it, God. You said you would do it. And Elijah prayed seven times until he saw a man's hand, a cloud the size of a man's hand. And then Elijah said, that's it. Pray until Zechariah 10 verse 12 says, it's time to seek the Lord until he reigns righteousness. It's time to seek the Lord until he brings it to pass. Until he's a good God 
ask of me. My son, my daughter, go on the journey with me. Believe with me. Pray. Pray. Contend. Cry out. Surrender. Surrender. Break through your unbelief. Break through the pain. Break through the things that are holding you back. Break through it all. Break through your emotions. Break through your unbelief. Break through all of the things from your past. The failures, the disappointments, the shame. Pray, pray, seek me. Get a revelation of my faithfulness. Get a revelation of who I am. Get a revelation of the goodness of God once again. See him rightly for who he is. Take your eyes off of your problems and your circumstances. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Come on, let's worship him. Let's stand. Let's just begin to worship him. Lift up your voice. Come on. Just begin to praise him. Just begin to praise him. Just begin to thank him. Yes, Lord, you're faithful. You're faithful, Lord. You're faithful, Jesus. You're faithful, Jesus. You're faithful. You're faithful. I want it all, Lord. Every promise. Your will. As we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, it's more than just a a cliche. It's more than just a one-time prayer. It's a pursuit. It's a pursuit. It has to become a priority more than anything else. Your will, your will, your promises, your purpose, your plan, what you want, Jesus. The Bible says of Jesus, for the Son of Man came from heaven to earth not to do his will, but to do the will of him who sent him. John 6, 38. Are we in that place that my will is not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who called me, the will of him who saved me, the will of him who sent me in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.